0: So this act of cultivating samadhi is a matter of our minds, it's an affair of the mind. Sila, morality, is an affair of our body and speech. And so the aspects of the noble path um, that involve sila are uh, uh, sama-ajivo, the right livelihood, sama-gamanto, right action. And uh, this is um, a part of this noble path, this excellent path that leads to freedom. So if we walk this path, then we will gain that freedom within our own minds. In the very last day of the Buddha's life, just before he went into Vana there was a a monk, but a monk from a, a different religion. He'd ordained uh, in a different sect called Subhata. And he went to visit the Buddha. He had uh, developed a lot of Parami already. And in a past life, he um, was the younger brother of uh, Venerable Kodanya and they both went out to harvest the wheat that they'd grown and then they went to offer that to a pajega buddha of that time and so they both made their determinations after uh, making that offering but the little brother who was uh, Subhata and uh, the buddha's last life he made the the aspiration to become the last uh, awakened disciple of the Buddha while the Buddha was still alive. And so Subhata, he walked to Kusinara in order to listen to the Buddha's Dhamma. And he went uh, to ask Venerable Ananda if he could see the Buddha, but Venerable Ananda wouldn't let him because the Buddha was very... Unwell, and he was he was uh, just about to pass away. And but uh, Venerable Subhata he wouldn't let up, and so he kept asking, and the conversation got louder and louder, until it reached the Buddha's ears. And so the Buddha, having great loving kindness and compassion, he asked Venerable Ananda what was going on, and Ananda replied that there's um, a sectarian, someone who was ordained in another uh, religion, he's come to see the Buddha. And so the Buddha then um, invited him to come along. So Subhata asked uh, the question to the Buddha. He asked, Is it possible for there to be any Arahants outside of the Buddha Sasana? And the Buddha answered that just as there are no footsteps in the sky. And so too, there are no awakened beings outside of the Eightfold Path. It's just impossible for that to happen. And so, Subhata, he had already developed a huge amount of parami, of these uh, spiritual um, qualities, and he had already put in a great amount of effort and perseverance into his practice. And all he needed was just to be able to change his views into right view. And so he got that from the Buddha. He was able to gain right view and, and, um, and also this right thought as well, right intention. And he had been ordained uh, for a long time already and um, already managed to uh, relieve his heart of much of, of feelings of hate and vengeance. So having ordained, he had the the quality of sila, of morality that was very strong already in him. Uh, the sila of having... Um, right action right speech right livelihood he already had great energy in his practice his samadhi was good his mindfulness wasn't lacking in any way so having this uh very firm mind and having mindfulness that was well established uh, he was in a good position to contemplate the dhamma of the that the buddha gave him So after listening to the Buddha's answers to his question, then he found a place and sat down and he looked up at the moon. And it was a full moon night, the full moon of the sixth lunar month. And the moon was very bright that night. But then a cloud passed in front of the moon, and he saw how the radiance of the moon diminished by that. But then when this cloud passed and uh, the sky was clear again, then the moon became bright. So he then took that back into his own heart and contemplated right there and was able to see how the thoughts that arise in the mind, they cover over the brightness of the mind. But then when those thoughts go, then the mind is bright again. You see, the reason that uh, these thoughts diminish the brightness of the mind is because of attachment to them, giving them the significance of being me and mine. And this is a form of self that's arising which causes uh, stress. So having seen this, then, the factors of sila, samadhi and panya, they came together in his heart. This was the uh, Sotapati Maga and Sotapati Pala. And then also uh, Sakatagami Maga and Pala. And then Anagami Maga and Pala. And then Arahanta Maga and Pala. So the, the path of these uh, four stages and the fruits of these four stages, all of them gathered together at one time. And it was amazing that that could happen. That... All of these uh, eight different factors could gather together in one time and it shows that the amount of barami that he had was great. And so he was able to attain arahantship uh, at that time. And this was just before the Buddha passed away into Fanu Nibbana. So if we develop this path, this noble path uh, of sila, samadhi and panya, then we will see into the Dhamma. And it's not like it's easy to meet up with this path. There are many people who have uh, left the home life, who have gone off to ordain, and they've been practicing for huge amounts of time, for millions of lives, for many kalpas, and they still haven't met with this noble path. But the Buddha had uh, great compassion, boundless compassion, and he had built up the spiritual perfections for the benefit of all beings, so that he could um, become the self-awakened Buddha. It was extremely difficult, and he knew that it would entail much difficulty, but still he made that aspiration to become a Buddha. And so an example would be if there's a great fire, now, there's this huge fire in front, but he was willing to walk through that fire, he was willing to die over and over and over again. And you just think of how much suffering that would be. Or say there's a path in front that's covered with thorns, and every step that he took, his, uh, the soles of his feet would be pierced by many thorns. But still he walked, he took each step again and again, and was willing to endure uh, that great agony And it's amazing that that he was willing to do this, that he had the heart to do this. And this is what all of the Bodhisattvas have. And they all have to develop their perfections in this way. So he had the great loving kindness and compassion to teach the path that leads out of suffering. And if we walk that path, then we will see into the Dhamma. And we'll be able to attain the Dharma for sure. But these teachings—they're not there really, and in, in, in their true form, they're not in the scriptures. And so we can hear about the various uh, the Krubajans, these great awakened teachers, such as Ajahn Mun, and he uh, practiced uh, with sincerity until he was able to uh, become an Arahant. And there are many different traditions of uh, practicing monks uh, throughout the history of Thailand. And Ajahn Man, uh, he was just one of the the, the founding fathers of one of these traditions uh, that uh, flourished in the northeast of Thailand. So he was able to attain to the Dhamma and in turn he taught uh, many other people to attain to the Dhamma as well and become krubhajans in their own right, over a hundred of them. And Venerable Ajahn Chah was one of these as well. He practiced to the stage of arahanship. So we should have uh, certainty and confidence in Venerable Ajahn Chah and in the way of practice that he taught. And that if we, um, if we walk this path, then we will gain the results from it. But if we just read about these things, silas uh, madi but we don't actually walk that path, um, then there won't be any results that we gain. So we need to rely upon those who have witnessed the fruits of this, this noble path arising within themselves and rely on their teachings because having an awakened being as a teacher gives us great confidence. Our hearts will be very uh, sturdy and um, sure about the path of practice. And so, like uh, Venerable Subhata, he met with the Buddha and uh, had great confidence in his teaching. And his heart was peaceful, and he used that to contemplate into physicality and mentality. And having done that, then wisdom arose within him. So we should have confidence in these uh, awakened teachers, such as Ajahn Chah, and having that faith, we then uh, practice what they taught. So it's important for the monks to be restrained, uh, to be restrained in their actions and in um, the sila. So the precepts that uh, we have are the five precepts or the eight precepts, the 227 precepts. And keeping these In keeping these, we experience the results of that in the present moment. That there's a feeling of peace and happiness that arises in the heart, right here in the present moment. And likewise with training ourselves in samadhi, there's happiness that arises right here in the present moment. When we chant, when we listen to the Dhamma, then we gain a joy from that right here, right now. So this is uh, Samanya Pala. The fruits are rising right here in the present moment. There's joy, there's happiness that comes up. And uh, the mind feels very at ease, uh, at peace, and can gather together into one spot, into what we call ekakada. So these are all the results of practicing this path and things that we experience in this very life. We don't have to wait until the next life in order to receive those fruits. When we see this, then doubts will be removed from our minds and we'll have confidence in this path. We'll know what it's like to feel a deep inner peace. So many of us have uh, kept our well and we've created a lot of merit through generosity and charity and we know how that makes the mind feel happy and peaceful. We see other people uh, in difficulty and so we go to help them out and we um, give things to them and relieve that suffering and this brings up happiness in our hearts. So we can see right there that these are the results coming up in this very life. We don't have to wait until, the, until future lives to experience it. And as we carry on practicing like this, then a sense of inner fullness uh, imbues the heart. So we don't have to wait until the next life. When we keep our sealer and we carry on doing that for a long time, maintaining morality, then the heart becomes more and more full. And when we chant, when we practice meditation, then there's this feeling of inner fullness that comes up uh, through the joy that we gain from those activities. And this is food for our hearts. So like our physical bodies, they need uh, this food of, of rice and, and curries and such things and also the food of the breath in order to keep this body nourished but the Dhamma is the food for our hearts and also the merit and the skillful actions that we've done so many of us uh, help out the, the sangha the monastic order and uh, charitable and help to support the buddha sasana so that it may last for a long time and so we can see that we are like patrons of the buddha sasana in that way the monks then practice the dhamma and then when they've realized that truth for themselves then they bring that out and they teach and there's great benefits that comes from this uh, for many many people so when the heart feels full in this way and we develop that fullness, um, eventually that will, our minds will gather together into samadhi and then wisdom will be able to manifest in our hearts. Our views will then change from being wrong views into right views. So we should put a lot of effort into this practice, really persevere with it, even though it's difficult, we do it because we have the goal in our life to make our hearts pure, to make Sangsara as short as possible. Because if we don't try and cut down Sangsara, then it'll go on for an extremely long time and we won't gain any freedom. But if we have effort, then we can cut down Sangsara until it gets shorter and shorter, and eventually we will gain liberation. We should contemplate into anicca, into instability and change. And as we do this, then eventually we will be able to see into the Dhamma. And it won't be long. We look into our own minds and observe our minds. Observe all the things that our mind experiences. All the emotions that come up. So say like at this time of crisis with this uh, epidemic spreading around. There may be a lot of aversion in our hearts towards that there's a lot of rules and regulations that we have to keep and and we don't like that but we look at our minds and we see that this is not sure it's impermanent that maybe if these regulations weren't there then people who didn't have much sealer they would go out and um, engage in many unwholesome activities which would cause a lot of uh, uh, chaos and confusion. But for those who have right view, you can take this period as being a good opportunity. So, this is flipping a crisis into a great opportunity for us. And during the Buddha's time, there were many uh, lay women and lay men who could do this, they were able to uh, transform crises into opportunities into seeing the Dhamma. So there was one person whose son had died and then he went to listen to the Dhamma of the Buddha and in listening he contemplated into impermanence and then uh, eventually was able to, to see the truth of this and the mind became empty and was able to attain to arahanship. There was another person whose daughter had died. And um, and so the father of this, this daughter experienced great uh, grief and anguish over this, which led him to ordain. And then practicing as a monk, he became an anagami. So he was able to use this anguish in his heart as fuel to finding out, uh, seeking out a wise person. And then this wise person, the Buddha, was able to point out the path that uh, brings light into our hearts and into our lives. So it's very important to meet up and to uh, be close to wise people. And even though... um, there are many difficulties that we face. We can use those difficulties as opportunities. And the wise, they can teach us to do this. They can teach us how to live our lives well, how to make our living in a a wholesome way, how to look after our family and how to use our wealth well. They can show us how to turn crises into opportunities for happiness, how to turn suffering into joy. And so these are beings who have great wisdom and who have knowledge. And when we find them, then we should follow them. And it takes a lot of uh, merit to be able to meet up with these teachers, teachers who have a lot of wisdom. And we also need to have uh, many good qualities in our own hearts as well in order to be able to follow their path of practice. We have to have integrity, we have to be truthful, we have to be respectful. So there's a lot of virtues that we need as well in order to uh, follow this path. So the merit that we've created in the past, this comes back and helps us in times of difficulties and the goodness that we've created through practicing the Dhamma of the Buddha, it can help to solve the suffering that we experience in our hearts. So therefore, we should all be sincere in this practice, that we've had the opportunity in this life to meet with this path. The Kru these awakened teachers, they've pointed out the path. Ajahn Chah pointed out this path. And it's not wrong. So we should walk it with sincerity until we understand the Dhamma, until we see into truth. Our sila, our morality and our dana, our generosity are probably already very good. So when we have this collectedness of, and restraint of our body and speech, what that leaves is a peace of heart. But we train and we uh, develop this path, every day, day in, day out. And all throughout the day, whether we're working or whatever we're doing, we try to keep our mindfulness with us. Having done this samadhi, uh, the collectedness of our minds will grow stronger and stronger. And then when our minds become more peaceful, then the brightness of our wisdom will increase In the end, it will all come together and we'll be able to see clearly into the Dhamma. And we'll see that the Dhamma exists within the peaceful mind. And we contemplate right here. We don't need to go anywhere else. So this body right here, we contemplate it. We can separate it out into its various elements or we can uh, see it as being something that's not beautiful. And the more that we contemplate into that, the clearer things will become. The more we can see how this body isn't beautiful, then the more beautiful our minds become. The more still they become, the the more peace there is uh, uh, infusing the heart. Until we see into emptiness, and that emptiness is what can destroy the key lasers. So the seeing of emptiness is the seeing of Nibbāna. So we contemplate this body as being just elements, as being empty, and all of this happens within the peaceful mind. So Ajahn Chah, he taught the straight path, but we need to put the effort into walking that path. So however we're feeling, if we're feeling drowsy, for instance, then... We should get up and do walking meditation. If we're still feeling sleepy, then we can walk backwards. And if that doesn't work, then we can try chanting. But we fight with it. We don't just give into it. And we need to be sincere. We need to be real about our efforts. And if we are real, then what, what we gain, the results that we gain, are real as well. So we've already gained one uh, level, one degree of uh, peacefulness and of stability. We already know the happiness that uh, arises through morality and keeping our body and speech in uh, a wholesome state. But when we experience samadhi, then the joy and the happiness that we gain will increase a lot. The Hate um, that we have, it will still be there, but it'll get less and less. The like the feelings or the thoughts of uh, vengeance of getting back at people, that will slowly disappear little by little. So everyone be sincere in your efforts.